Have you wondered when nurses are going to be walking around wearing Google Glass and using natural language processing? Well, today we're going to have that conversation. Please join me and my guest, Dr. Rebecca Freeman. Hello from sunny Austin, Texas, and welcome to the Healthcare Soothsayer podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Clipper, and yes, I'm a nurse. I have worked for more than 30 years as a nurse, chief nurse executive, innovation strategist, and speaker. I have taken the message of Nursing Innovation International and look forward to continuing this message to transform health. This podcast will bring you thought leaders and ideas that you may not have otherwise heard from. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Healthcare Soothsayers. Our guest today is Dr. Rebecca Freeman, Vice President for Health Informatics at the University of Vermont Health Network. Rebecca, welcome. I am so excited to be talking to you today. Thanks, Bonnie. I'm super excited to be here. That's Dr. Clipper to the rest of you, but I know her well enough. We're just going with Bonnie. So, hey, this thanks. is the Bonnie and Rebecca conversation. I like it. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, hey, last week we heard the Future of Nursing 2020-2030 report. So my question to you is, how do we continue to advance patient care through an informatics lens? Well, that's a great question, Bonnie. Um, you know, we have some very basic things that we don't do well. Um, and I hope as we do this conversation, I'm going to say maybe some inflammatory things that somebody hears and goes, that's not true. And I'd love to hear from them because I, I believe these things to be true. Informatics for nursing, we have some amazing folks working in this field, but generally speaking, we don't have a really standard approach to the work in the field. It's mostly at acute care hospitals, but when we get outside of that and have, you know, translational folks who understand clinical and technology and gadgets and all kinds of things, we don't have a lot of those, and it is not standardized how we use them from one place to the next. Um, we have competency expectations at the nursing education level at all levels, and informatics is part of it. But in my experience, most of the faculty teaching those classes have never used a great amount of technology at the bedside. The EHR was likely not there before they came into their teaching role, uh, integrated devices smart pumps, all the, the universe of technology is not something they're even familiar with. So it's really hard to ask them to take an adult health fundamentals class and speak to dashboards and analytics and these connected devices and, and how you use all of those things. We're still very focused on like a pre-technology world. So I think we can use informatics to make so many changes. But we have to educate our nurses better and then more important in my world, because I live in an operational hospital and health network world, I have to get my CNOs and my nursing directors to understand why it's important that our clinical ladders, that our position descriptions all the way up to CNO from new grad to there, like when they look at the novice to expert continuum there is frequently no mention of technology, informatics, data, analytics, you know, feedback on documentation. None of that is in there. We still very much onboard and progress our nurses all the way to, quote, expert level with no structural expectations along that pathway for adopting any higher level of technology. And so 
we can do super awesome things with informatics and with technology, but not until we fix the, you know, the secret, which is when you pull up the tablecloth, we're still standing on the same three legs that we were probably standing on in like 1980. Okay, so you're starting to really freak me out here because now we're talking about the faculty that are teaching the nurses that are in the nursing pipeline. I think as you said that, it kind of, you know, had to spool around in my head a little bit to go, oh my gosh, you're probably right in that so many faculty really did uh, enter the world of academia, perhaps at a different time in the operational practice world, that medical records and charting was very, very different. So how do we help get them up to speed so that we're actually teaching the newest um, nurses current practices so that they're actually on top of things? Yeah, so I think the, you know, the easy answer to me, I I don't think we can wholesale educate nursing faculty. They are stretched. We don't have enough faculty as it is, and trying to, like, to make wholesale change for them is huge, but especially at our academic medical centers, which usually have a nursing school right across the street, start engaging with your thought leaders, your informatics leaders, have them come over, you know, the the really progressive places will do like a visiting professor or they'll have someone visit class for an hour. How about get those classes, bring your informatics people over and let them start to look at your core curriculum at the bullet points of your objectives for each class. Let them go, oh, You know, we're going to talk about this disease process. Let's talk about this predictive analytics model, or let's talk about how you can create a dashboard and you can drive, you know, with these points of data entry, you could discuss the clinical decision support, the pop-ups, the additional documentation that will come on board. I I don't think, in my experience, Mm -hmm. for many of our deans and our, our faculty leaders at colleges of nursing, it doesn't occur to them to go to the non-academic folks across the way. I say that because they're not on faculty. Um, the in-the-trenches workers and have them come over like they bring really valuable experience and they can bring our faculty up to speed really quickly on how those things might work. But it, it's an unusual partnership that would need to well, and I think you're you're highlighting something that perhaps we've moved away from, and I'm not going to paint every school of nursing here with the same brush, but I'm recalling way back in my career when so many people that were in practice had some kind of a very, very, very small adjunct type appointment, even for a course or two. And it felt as though there was a lot more cross-pollinization that happened with feedback and thoughts and sharing back and forth from the practice world to the academic world. And it's a little bit old school, but I think that's what I'm hearing you saying. Yeah, I think there is. I, I always say walk across the street. If you're in the hospital, work with your college of nursing and vice versa. And in some places you have leaders at the hospital and deans and leaders at the college of nursing who do that really well. But I've been in many places where they hardly talk. I've been in places where you get an operational job and a faculty appointment. It just comes as part of the package. You hardly do anything with the college of nursing. You've got that faculty appointment. It's part of the executive onboarding, you know, offering, but you're not in there reviewing the curriculum approach for you know, next month or next semester, you're not looking at the matrix, you're frequently not looking at how to get, um, aside from clinical, you know, we always are looking for clinical placement opportunities. 
that how we tie in those informatics and technology pieces to the education experience is, is something that I think is ripe for some some innovation. You just have to have both sides at the table. So so I, I'm not knocking for, for our faculty. They, they only know what they know. If you weren't at the bedside mm -hmm. in this technology world, of course you shouldn't know it. That's okay. Um, but you need to work with your colleagues outside of the college who are doing the work every day and and learn how these basic fundamental disease processes that you are teaching how they are aided by the use of technology, how they interact with technology, and how you can help your your students, you know, think about something other than just that that legacy approach once they hit the the ground running. As a well, and I love that, and I also love your point earlier about the job descriptions and just really thinking about from a clinical ladder, from a professional practice perspective. You're right. We tend to focus on competencies that are so often around hands-on direct patient care or clinical problem solving, critical thinking, sometimes even leadership, committees, councils. But this is sort of an interesting spin because the more we can get nurses to adopt and also um, help improve the utilization and the output, that actually will give us more meaningful data. So I love that idea. Sure. No, well, I, you know, one thing I, when I take my soapbox and, and take it away from academia and then I focus it on my clinical educators or my nursing professional development facilitators, depending on, on how we're working with which hospital, I say, tell me about your preceptors. So in many hospitals, they have shorted EHR and technology training down to almost nothing. So you come on board, you get a half day or whatever. Um, you know, if you're using a, a specific device in an area, your preceptor kind of picks that up. So does our preceptor know what they're talking about? Like, have we assessed their proficiency? Do, do we know that they can use the technology at a high level? The answer is usually no. And then what I say is, look, it's great. You got a new grad. They placed the Foley. That's awesome. So you check off their skill, Foley placement. Did they document it appropriately? And I don't mean in a note or a little comment field off to the, you know, 18 French entry. I mean, there are places where they're supposed to put things and then those things drive our CAUTI dashboards. And so the dashboards are only as good as the data that's being put in, which is only as good as how you teach the new grad to document the thing in the first place. And so all of that tends to fall off the radar. And when we see bad things on a dashboard, I always say, I don't know if it's true. Like, do we even know that folks are putting the information in the right place to feed the dashboard appropriately? Is it valid data? And that that piece falls off the radar. I frequently get from my educators, like, that's not me. I'm not the IT educator. Well, it's not IT. Like, this is a core component of practice now. You put it in front of our nurses. They have to use it every day. And if they don't know how to use it and you don't know how to use it, your leaders are making decisions based on data that may or may not have any actual tie to reality. It's close enough that it doesn't raise red flags, but it's, right. it's not always accurate, right? Well, and I think that's a really good point because we're all on the same team. So it isn't a matter of being the IT educator, but this, in fact, is patient care, right? It's yeah. it's all encompassing. Yep. Yes. Well, it's a it's a core component of practice. The the nurses, a bedside nurse, an inpatient bedside nurse spends hours in that record every day. I think we could minimize that if we actually had protected time from them to more thoughtfully 
design the documentation, but there, there just is not right now a really good way to, I don't know, to make that paradigm shift. And I hate that, I hate that phrase, but to make that paradigm shift of the EHR, the integrated pump, the physiologic monitor, those are not IT. IT doesn't train those. Those are tools, just like your noggin, that you use every day as a core component of your nursing practice. And so when educators or CNOs or nursing directors say, well, that's not me, of course it's you, because it's not 1980. That's how we practice today. But I, I think we we really shortchange our, our bedside staff, and I mean it from the brand new new grad to the 20-year nurse. They should understand how to best design the technology that helps them care for the patient. And, and frequently they don't have leadership support to do that. That's crazy to me. And it sort of makes me think about how we all get so very myopic in our little verticals, right? In our own little mm -hmm. slice of the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to change slides here a little bit on you and, and ask okay. you a question because I'm like totally into how we can really leverage the use of some of the cool things and the gadgets. So when are nurses going to be walking around with Google Glass and using natural language processing to make our documentation process easier? Hmm. Um, well, I will come back to that. And if I go, you know, and now your readers know I can cover 7,000 words without taking a breath. Um, thank goodness for <laughs> this saxophone and band class because I can sneak the breath in and keep playing. Um, I'm going to talk for a second about sexy and unsexy things, and then we'll come back to Google Glass and national language processing. So I spend most of my time trying to point out how these super sexy, amazing things, so predictive analytics models, Google Glass, natural language processing, like how amazing that would be. Those things are cool. iPhones are cool. Things that go on the iPhone to help you care for patients, those are cool too. Like I, I push the use of this technology all the time. But the fact is, if you just press pause on the technology for a second and come back to just the state of nursing as a profession, it is a mess. It's an unwieldy mess. I, I can find a mess. I can find a lack of standard approach to nursing and documentation from one unit to the next when I have three units that are almost exactly the same thing within the same walls of a hospital. So, you know, once upon a time, floor six decided they wanted to capture these 22 things and floor seven decided they didn't like that. So they added 10 of their own. They're caring for the same patient population. They just decided to do different things. So even transferring from one unit to another in the same hospital doesn't line up. Then we look at the interoperability conundrum. I sure can't transfer you to another hospital because what you did across the street is probably wildly different. We don't use the same assessment tools. Even when we admit you for an admission assessment, and there are some folks doing this work, so loop me back to the Nursing Knowledge and Big Data Science Conference and Cerner in particular. Um, but we don't even do, you know, how rocket sciencey is it? That you have an adult med surge patient being admitted, can't we all agree on the same 10 questions per system that we need to address at the start? And if they have something really wrong with them, like a, let's say you're coming in for a stroke or you're coming in for trauma, even those things, even stroke, we should be able to have some standardization. But nursing has never done that. Nursing has not 
provided guidance on how we write notes, on the, the format of those notes, the data entry points we put in those notes. I'll just say the two words, care plan, and we'll move on from that because um, we know how awesome those actually got executed. And so nursing's a mess. People can document what they want. They, we kind of document to not being deemed in a survey. So for Joint Commission and CMS, we have some things we have to do, but it's just ugly and there is no continuity. And in my experience, there's no professional organization at the national high level taking an approach to that. It's almost like, yeah, hands off, you guys figure out what you want to do. Some of the professional organizations for a specific discipline have kind of gone down this path a little bit. But in the absence of any direction and how we all do things the same way, what you're going to get from Google Glass and natural language processing is just more data, more inputs. We already know that we don't use half of the nursing data we collect anyhow. You stick it in a data warehouse, no one ever looks at it again. Okay, so we don't well, know that it provides value. So if we're documenting yes. all this stuff and we're not using it, how do we go back to what you just said and get ourselves untangled and figure out how to better use this data, make it more meaningful, and actually do something with it? Yeah, so I think a couple of folks are trying to offer solutions. So I, I spoke about those two. Cerner has a, a clinical data set, basically, that, that they put together. And you can find this work. Dorinda Sutton, um, S-U-T-T-O-N, has published the original work they did to create part of a standardized admission assessment. They have now proceeded down the pathway of that admission database. They have started working on multiple physician, I mean, patient populations. Um, Eva Karp, K-A-R-P, has also um, published on part of that work. And so Cerner has an essential data set. And as a customer, you can access it. And lo and behold, everybody gets the same thing. And they tweak it as needed for state-based variation or system-based variation, um, a parallel effort at the Nursing Knowledge and Big Data Science um, Conference and, and ongoing work groups out of the University of Minnesota, led, by the way, by Connie Delaney, who's one of the just most out-of-the-box advanced thinkers in the universe. That group has been pulling together um, work by David Boyd and um, Jane Englebright, and then I'm blanking on the third person, which is funny. Shannon Hewlett, my gosh, I always pair her with those three. They've worked really hard on how we create a national standard admission assessment. This work has been going on for, I want to say, two years. I'm not sure how long Cerner's been working on theirs for longer. And you just think, how long should it take mm -hmm. to come up with that? Like, this is not rocket science we're talking about. It's not like we haven't been doing admission assessments for a million years but it's unbelievably labor intensive. And in my experience, nurses, uh, especially CNOs, not to lump all CNOs together, but you have to have a pretty good amount of risk aversion to be a good CNO, but you also have to be willing to say, you know what, 40% of your documentation does not make sense, throw it in the garbage. Don't write that note. Don't collect that just because you can don't collect it, let it go. And and that's scary because it is not what we've done. And so we can't clean up documentation until we can all agree that it can go by the wayside. So how do people really get different. involved with these people that you mentioned that are having such a profound impact? How do we start to get these folks connected together that want to make positive contributions in that space? 
Oh, sure. So the, you know, they're welcome to reach out to me with the, with the big data science conference. We have one coming up in June. It's in just a, a little over a month. It's a full day Wednesday and a half day Thursday, Friday. It's all virtual. You can join. It's a great little think tank of, of folks. And then for, um, it used to be David and Shannon's subgroup. And I think David is now got a different, um, co-chair. Jane Engelbright's always engaged in that work too, but you could go work with the work group. I mean, it's an all-volunteer crew. We work every year from one conference to the next conference to to get standards out, to get things published, and, and to kind of put guidelines out there. So there's that. If you're at a hospital where Cerner is in place, Cerner would love to, to hear from you, or there's probably information that you can pull right from the vendor um, on that essential data set that they put together or, you know, go review either Dorinda's work. But those are two great places. And then I don't want to leave out Epic. I, I do a lot of work with Epic and there are a million things you can do there. There are exemplars from literally hundreds of clients who have done amazing work with cleaning up documentation. So organizations that want to make sure that the data they collect is more meaningful can engage in that conversation first, right? To be sure that yes, what it absolutely. is we're asking nurses to document, it needs to be useful, actionable, meaningful data. Yep. Then we can go from there yep. and get into the fun things. Yep. Well, and the fun things will always come because that's what you know, I always say I take the shiny thing into a meeting and I wave the shiny thing and I get interest in the shiny thing. And then I embed like 10 little unsexy things behind the shiny thing. And half the time <laughs> they don't even know that it's there. But yeah, lead people down the path with the shiny thing. And oh, by the way, we just, you know, took that 30 line flow sheet and I condensed it to 10. And sometimes I tell them and sometimes I don't know one ever misses it. Um and then, you know, the fun part with it on my epic side, I'm thinking about um, Dr. Bonnie Adrian did this thing called Project Joy. She led that out of Colorado and they did an amazing amount of work. And what they came up with was a fantastic overhaul of their documentation um, for nursing that saved time. It saved clicks. It went dramatically up in terms of satisfaction scores with the EHR. And so when I'm calling out you know, Cerner did it as a whole, or the the big data science group. Um, if you're in an Epic or a Meditech world, or or one of the other major vendors, you can absolutely go to your user group and don't don't reinvent the wheel. That's the mm -hmm. other thing nurses they're like, we got to solve a problem. Let's all get together. Nope, there probably is someone who's already had it and solved it, and go see if you like that first. Like that's a good way to go, and that's one thing that Epic makes it really easy to do. Which is your point about standardization, because if we can yes. actually adopt, adopt existing solutions and move to standardization, then we're not all reinventing the wheel, and we would have right. standards, which is when right. things like Google Glass and natural language processing actually starts to make more sense. Yes, and I, I will say that. too, standardization is is really funny because I always talk about my 32 colors of urine. I am a, I am like a, a realist. So I'd like to standardize on six colors of urine in the EHR, maybe four, and then we can have an other. But if I get in the room with too many smart people, this is always our downfall, too many smart people, I can come away with 32 proposed colors of urine and the ones that aren't in the six, like somebody really wants those for a research study for a super small subset of a pediatric population. Like, I get that. But it's really hard to make decisions when 
you put so many smart people in a room and you start talking about things, you go down rabbit holes and then you never come away with anything that's actionable that you can move forward because everybody's so worried they'll miss something that we Which can't. is why we don't have standards. Yeah, sure. That's, that's nursing terminology is a great example. Um, we don't have well, one. We have well, 12 or 13. Yeah. You know, this just sort of gets, this really does get to one of the issues that we have is that we're going to have to gnash the teeth and, you know, have the f- scraps that are necessary to get to the point of standardizing how we use terminology, how we document. Otherwise, it really is going to continue to impede forward progress. So I love yeah. you adding so much color into that conversation today because it is incredibly provocative as we think about what the future looks like and how we can leverage informatics. This has been awesome, Rebecca, and um, I'm always so grateful because you certainly can have 7,000 words without a breath, but what's most amazing about it is that they're all important. Well, they're important to my day-to-day job, so that's that's what I make important for, you know, we could do another policy podcast next time. That would be fun. We absolutely could. We could. Well, thank you again, Rebecca, for taking the time to be with us today on Healthcare Soothsayers podcast. We've learned a lot and appreciate that. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. And be sure to check out the show notes for this show to find Rebecca's contact information and to learn more about her work. Thanks so much for listening to Healthcare Soothsayers. I really do appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and share it with your network. That is how we grow and learn. If you have ideas for show topics or guests, please reach out to me directly at ThoughtLeaderRN on Twitter. For information about this show or any of the others in the Touchpoint Media Network, please check them out at touchpoint.health.